0: Welcome back to the Going Coastal podcast, the podcast of the Students and New Professionals chapter of the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association and hosted by the one and only American Shoreline Podcast Network. I'm one of your co-hosts, Marissa Torres.
1: And I'm one of your other co-hosts, John Miller.
0: And now this month's episode of Going Coastal is pretty special for a couple of reasons. First, it marks the end of our second year of Going Coastal already. Can you even believe that?
1: We made it. (laughs) Woohoo!
0: My gosh. Thanks, everyone, for, like, sticking with us for this long. And I guess especially Tyler and ASPN for keeping us on the air for this long. Uh, Anyways, it's been a journey. So we're going to, like, focus on that for today's episode. Um, So that was number one. And number two, second reason that it's a pretty special episode is that um, it's kind of a new beginning. And we're actually going to be welcoming a new co-host for season three. Everybody, please welcome Deborah Fernandez or Deb and welcome her to the Going Coastal family. Woohoo! Hi, everybody.
1: Welcome, welcome.
2: Thank you for having me. Awesome sauce. Thanks
1: I'm for excited us. to.
0: Yeah, right? <laughs> Thanks for expressing your interest um, in being a part of this crew. Um, we're going to get to know Deb a little bit today, maybe give you guys a refresher on what John and I actually do when we're not soothing you to sleep at night with our voices.
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe you, not me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: we'll see. Uh, yeah, and and go from there. So Deb, I know she came to us from the um, Students and New Professionals chapter with ASPPA. That's how we met her. And we're just going to get to know her a little bit better. So take her away.
2: Hi, everybody. So I'm Deb. Um, I'm a PhD candidate at the University of South Alabama under um, supervision of Dr. Webb. And um, I came all the way uh, from Europe. I'm originally from uh, Switzerland and Portugal. Um, So yeah, this is a, a new adventure for me. I decided to go into coastal engineering. Um, during my master's, and I found this opportunity for this PhD about a year and a half ago. So here am I. Here you are.
0: What made you decide on um, Alabama or that program?
2: I did not decide on coming um, to Alabama. I did decide on the actual project I'm working on. Um, So we are working on quantifying the difference between different um, seagrass species in terms of how um, good are they in terms of protecting the, the shoreline so at damping wave energies and trapping sediments and we know that each species have different characteristics um, they have um, den- different densities, different um, blade length or width and does this, Im- this impacts on how they protect the shoreline so we're trying to quantify that. Um, we work in um, here, the Gulf, uh, in South Alabama, and also the U.S. Virgin Islands, um, St. Thomas. Same.
1: That sounds like a project I want to get involved with.
2: Right. <laughs> Just what That's we why need I'm here: another coastal engineer
0: <laughs> to balance out the other coastal engineers here, and really make this podcast engineering focused. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the, the living shoreline focus is uh well, a little <laughs> bit a little bit a little bit different so.
0: yeah budding new area um you know we're all trying to get into it I know especially uh with the Army Corps we're trying to get more involved with that as well
1: yeah had I known your uh advisor was dr Webb I, we might have thought twice about inviting you on
2: <laughs> he's great. No, he- <laughs>
1: Uh, he he is he is great. I was it's a, we always we always kind of it seems like every other episode we say what a small world the the, the coastal realm is because it seems like everybody knows everybody. Gra- Brett and I were at grad school colleagues at UF, and so yeah, we know each other pretty well.
2: There you go. <laughs> um, but to come back on the coastal engineer um, topic, my background is very different, though. I'm not an engineer yet. I don't have the title yet haven't finished my PhD yet. Um, So I have a bachelor in geology. So that's very different. Um, And I did that in Switzerland. uh, And we were able to travel all around Europe during field trips. uh, So that was really cool. And um, then I decided to do a master's in oceanography. So I have a more biological and ecological background too. And then I wanted to kind of combine both. And I feel that um, coastal engineer... It's a nice combination of both.
0: Yeah, that sounds awesome. What do you like most Thank about you. like the geology and oceanography do, or programs?
2: Um, when I studied geology, um, the study of volcanoes, it's called petrology, was really, really interesting. Super hard, but very, very interesting. So whenever I would um, visit a volcano, you kind of know uh, what kind of rocks are there, what kind of minerals are there, and it's like super fascinating. And um, in oceanography, well, we learned a lot about ecology. That was great. I learned a lot about seagrasses and I thought that was really interesting. And during my my masters, I also had the chance to have a coastal engineer class about sediment dynamics and I thought that was it. I was like, okay, after that, I want to go into um, coastal engineering. Because after having like the ecological background and then seeing more the engineer side of what happens in the ocean, I thought that was like super cool if I could combine them, and that's why I love the project that I'm doing right now because it's a, a combination of both.
1: It's so interesting. We always talk about how it's uh, because there's not a direct path, I guess, to typically a direct path to coastal engineering, or we all s- sort of get there in a different way and. It's kind of interesting to hear you talk about geology and oceanography and, you know, myself, I took more of a direct path to coastal engineering and somehow avoided ever taking a class in geology or oceanography, <laughs> which is just, which is, which is just crazy. Because it, 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 it No, it, honestly it is. Cause it's, there are actually two things that I, you know, through the practice and through just learning, you know, as a professional, you learn a lot about those aspects, um, that I wish I had had a chance to learn about more, um, in school, but it's, you know, it's, it points also to, I think the, the diversity of kind of what coastal professionals can do. Right. So you have the rock background. I was, I have a bunch of geology students, former (laughs) geology students that, we call them rock nerds, but. We kind of are.
2: We (laughs) lick rocks at some points. It's true. (laughs) You say
0: you lick rocks. We do. Those volcanic rocks.
2: Normal sedimentary rocks.
0: What does licking a rock tell you about that rock?
2: It helps you see the minerals that are in it. But we don't like lick a rock that's just um, on the side of the road. Obviously, we we, like break it first with our hammer and then uh, we lick the inside. You can just spit on it or put HCL. Have different options. <laughs>
1: I, I have one of my students is a geolo- former undergrad geology uh, major, and still travels around in her car with her rock hammer just in case she ever comes across an interesting rock on the side of the road.
2: Yeah, I do believe that. I thought about uh, bringing my hammer here to Alabama.
1: I did. <laughs> just don't try. Get, <laughs> did you try to get on? A, don't try to get on a plane with it though. You might. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly.
1: Uh, it's, as, 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 that's that's very cool. And so you're so you you said you're so you're obviously an international, you know, student and you have a, a diverse background, Portugal uh, by way of Switzerland. So how how you know what what is it like I guess what is coastal? What is it, are, does coast the coastal profession exist in those areas? Like what, you know.
2: Yeah, um, obviously not really in Switzerland because we don't have any seas or, or any ocean. We do have lakes. Um, But in Portugal, yeah, I mean, half of Portugal, half of its coast is um, a coastline, half of its border. So um, they're big into um, coastal engineering. I did work for six months in a coastal engineer um, company before uh, coming here. So, yeah, they're they're really big. Um, Their coastline is mostly uh, rocky and it's eroding really fast. So, um, they have different types of issues because, for example, here in Alabama, it's more like um, beaches everywhere. It's very uh, sandy. So, it's just different ways of approaching um, coastal erosion.
0: You ever go surfing in Portugal on those big waves? Yeah? Yes. What was that like? (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) It's amazing because you can surf all year long. Like, there are not really like season. Obviously, the waves are going to be smaller and smoother um, during the summer. But... Yeah, we can still have decent waves in the summer, so it's pretty cool. That's
0: like, is Portugal where the the big, like, mavericks are?
2: Yeah, Nazaré. Maybe you're talking about, like, the big wave? Mm
1: -hmm. Yep, the the extreme wave surfers, the giant wave surfers. Yeah,
2: it's called Nazaré. And during the summer, it's flat. There is nothing. You would never imagine that during the winter you can have a 30-meter high
1: um, wave. What's the biggest wave you've ever surfed? Oh no, 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 very small. Very small. I'm
2: more into um, longboard. I don't do shortboards.
1: <laughs> I've tried. I've tried to surf a couple times in my life, and I've just I come to the conclusion I have tr- I have trouble paddling. My balance on my stomach is not very good, so I kind of struggle to paddle through the water, let alone stand up.
2: <laughs> yeah, paddling can be really hard, especially if there are a lot of rip currents and everything kind of have to paddle against them. So that's tricky.
0: Yeah. First and so far, only time that I've been surfing, I did a little, a, a little lesson in Hawaii. I was there for the ACE ports conference last September. And I did end up getting up on a wave and like stood up a little bit, but I did find the paddling to be like the most challenging just because like my shoulders are a little funky. Like my rotator cuff is a little messed up. So that that was the main challenge, but it was really cool, like, being able to stand up. Um, you know, I snowboard, and it, it kind of felt similar. It's just, you know, you don't start flat on a snowboard and then try to stand up down, going down <laughs> the mountain, you know, so.
1: You should <laughs> try that next time. Different.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that'll go <laughs> real
2: well. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Usually it's the other way around. You start up, and then you kind of follow when you learn on a snowboard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's the opposite. Very good.
2: <laughs> yeah, Hawaii surfing in Hawaii—that sounds amazing.
1: Yeah, that's that's one of the places that I've tried it as well, and it's just whew, I was not I was not good at it. And then I my I took my kids to well, they, they took surfing lessons actually in New Jersey, and they made it look so easy. And I, I think it, I think when they took the lessons, my son might have been like ten years old. And he's standing up, and he looks like a, a professional. And I'm like, I'm just such a failure. Like, like this oh, is not. Good
0: Kids are sponges <laughs> and ubiquitous. They can they can just do anything. There's no fear. They haven't learned the concept of fear yet and internalized it. So, you know that helps them.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, Deb. Why are you here? (laughs) Why did you want to join this wonderful SNP going coastal family? Actually, Actually, let me rephrase that because I do hate that that concept of like oh coming to work with us is like working with a family no we there's let's disassociate like the trauma from that right like that's the conversation that people are having (laughs) yeah uh you know we're we're a decent bunch to hang out with every so often and we get to talk to some pretty cool people so that's that's who we are and we're happy to have you in here (laughs)
1: If we were a family, we'd have to argue more, I think. That would be the... I think
0: so. Yeah. We'd be more dysfunctional. <laughs>
1: yeah. Although, although y- y- like, you're actually rubbing off on my family because my daughter was running around the house earlier today in a URI shirt. So... Oh, me? I said, I'm going to take a picture and send it to Marissa because she would get a kick out of it.
0: I didn't know she got swag from URI.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. For I think my wife her. might have too, so... <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. Um, so, obviously, as you said earlier, um, I came across this podcast um, through the SNP board, and um, I joined ASBPA because I I went to the put to my first ASBPA conference in Long Beach, California last year, um, and I thought that was just an amazing way to um, connect to build your network and learning about all these things that are happening, especially in the US, because obviously I. Knew more things um, in Europe and not a lot of things here in the US. And I thought that was just so great to be able to know more in such a short amount of time. Everybody was so welcoming and super keen on sharing all their ideas and just talking with each other. And um, so then I joined um, the SNP group and um, I remember they were talking about um, different things they were doing for example social media social medias um, website uh, and other like workshops and other things and then you introduced uh, marisa i remember um, the podcast um, and i started listening to some of the episodes after that uh, which i thought they were great because um, there are super super laid back, super chill. It's a way of like desacralized uh, scientific jargon and just bring more information to a, a broader audience in a super nice way. And um, I thought that was really, really cool. And uh, you were saying that you're happy to have anybody else who wanted to join on the podcast. So I reached out and here, here I am and I'm really happy. Sweet,
0: we're really happy too. Yeah,
1: we're glad you did. I'm actually disappointed. That was one of the first ASBPA conferences I haven't been to. I uh, typically go every year with a bunch of my students. And this year I chose to send some students and not myself. So unfortunately, we didn't get to meet, but now we're here. So this is good.
2: Hopefully next year.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> we're going to go visit. Yeah, we're going to go visit Marissa next year. Yeah. up in Rhode local. Island.
0: Hell yeah. That'll be exciting. I'm excited for that. You know, I still think, John and I, um have we met in person? As, as, you,
1: as <laughs> you said that, I don't think so. I don't think so.
0: Let's, I feel it. like, yeah, funny. okay, because no we way. started this during yeah. kind of virtual time, and no, yeah. so we weren't going to conferences in person, and then we kind of started this, and like, maybe we could have met up in NOLA, but I couldn't go to that because- travel restrictions were still in place for for um, or at my organization they wouldn't let me but now we're back in full swing and I was thinking about this is maybe during the national conference I had this thought back in Long Beach since so many of the people that we had actually interviewed over the past year and a half were there. I'm like, we should get a group picture uh, or something like be like, hey, look, it's everybody who's ever been on Going Coastal. We're having a little meet and greet and chat. Maybe guests can meet other guests. And I think that'd be really cute. That'd be cool. Yeah, definitely. So shout out to anybody who we've interviewed who is also going to the National Coastal Conference this upcoming year in Providence, Rhode Island. Hit up the S P table. Let's get together, have a little meeting, have a little chat, go for coffee or a drink or something and have a good time. It'd be cute.
1: For sure. So year two is complete. We had another great year. We must have, you know, well, obviously 11 episodes, a lot of great guests Uh, I guess I'll just start off the the recap portion of the show by asking anything in particular, stick out any reflections, Marissa, on the the past year?
0: Oh, it feels like a blur almost. Um, But I remember having really good conversations. I loved the student research spotlights that we had this year. Um, We had... feels like so long ago we had crystal espinosa on and she was from florida atlantic university down in miami born and raised miami girl and she was just loving everything that she was doing and it was just it was just really nice we had a really nice uh conversation i really enjoyed listening to her perspective and um what her hopes and dreams are working for like the miami i think she's working for miami county uh last we talked to her and that was really cool like working on i want to say she did i know i should probably like i could look this up or know this but i think she was working on like um pollution type things like a pollution study and like tracking um trash like that's washed up on the coast and like the mangroves and things and doing like remediation efforts and like stuff like that uh which is super important um the Student Research Spotlight we had with um, our ASPPA student award winners. That was new for us this mm-hmm. year. That was pretty sweet. Yeah. We can keep that going uh, year to year. So this. Yeah, I think that was awesome. Yeah. This past year we had Brennan Branks and Delaney Doran on uh who are both just like killing it. Rock stars in their own respect. who have also done internships with uh, the URDIC, um Coastal Hydraulics Laboratory.
1: Too many, too many core folks. We can't have too many core folks.
0: All right. We pick and choose. We did have like a bunch back to back because right after that, we did have Matt Malay on to talk about mentorship. So we're, we're sprinkling in, sprinkling Erdic people in between all of the Stevens folks <laughs> that we've interviewed over <laughs> the past two years.
1: See, we have to, so we're going to have to make, so it, it, what happens, what happens if Deb applies for one of the ASBPA student awards and she gets it? Does she interview herself?
0: You know there are two student award winners every year, but we can we can make sure that you're hosting that particular episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How great! That'd be cool. Yeah, you know I, I would tend to agree, Marissa, that you know, the, you know the for me the you know as a professor the the student research spotlights always have like a special special spot for me. Um, it's always great to hear about you know, the, the, really the, the young professionals, the young students and young professionals. Right. Um, so I, I really enjoyed speaking with Chris Lehman, who has joined us all the way from literally the other side of the world, uh, in Australia.
0: That was crazy.
1: I, I, it was, uh, you know, and just another as as we're giving out plugs for conferences, as Deb mentioned, how she joined us or came to to know know about us through the conference. Um, Chris was somebody that I had met at the uh, ICC conference in Australia, um, which uh, you know it turned out to to be a great place to kind of try to bring in a student and talk a little bit about research, but you know research going on overseas and talk about some of the similarities and differences between you know, being a student uh, in Australia versus being a student in the U.S. And so I thought that was um, just a really interesting. Plus, you know, who, who, you, you can't deny the Australian accent is pretty sweet. So that just brings something to the show anyway.
0: Bringing diversity. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was pretty cool. We had like not only Chris, but we had Montana Denton come in. She wasn't for Student Research Spotlight, but her focus was more on – Communicating policy issues through environmental journalism. Um, so she kind of like came in through the, um, came into the coastal field through journalism through a different medium and was like really interested in communicating just the science. I get like like Deb was saying how we try to do it here. We're breaking things down into pieces that are more readily digestible by the public. Uh, breaking down these complex topics and communicating them. Um, effectively, but she she also joined us from New Zealand. So we had two back to back: New Jersey, Australia, uh, New Jersey, New Zealand, and Australia guests back to back. That was crazy. Uh, we're really we're branching out, guys. We're an international podcast now, really.
1: Uh, yeah, the, 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 those episodes are fun. I think the most challenging part of those episodes is just trying to get the timing right. I say, so, well, we're going to record Eastern Time. What is that in New Zealand? What is that in Australia? Trying to coordinate all that. Uh, that's, that's, that's a task in and of itself. I, you know, the, the time zones in, in the U S is, is hard enough, let alone, uh, when you're dealing with overseas and, uh, you know, almost a full, uh, full 12 hour difference in, in time. So.
0: Yeah. It really limits your window. So those, those were our student research spotlights for this past year. Um, John, what were some of your favorites?
1: Well, outside of, um, outside of the student research spotlights, um, Good question. Uh, I did, I mean, I, I enjoyed learning about all the different aspects. Um, you know, I would say, uh, you know, I enjoyed, I, I enjoyed the Hawaii sea grant focused episode. Um, you know, I think that, and this kind of relates to a little bit to what Montana talked about, right. And the ability to communicate, um, science and, and, in her case, through some journalistic activities. But in Sea Grant's case, um, just education and outreach and the importance that plays in, you know, forming coastal policy, um, just generating or creating an informed public about, you know, the importance of the oceans. And, um, you know, I always always enjoy learning about Hawaii in, in particular, just because the ocean plays such a, you know, important role in such a special part of the culture so whenever you're learning about that it's it's uh, the you know the amount of respect that's given to sort of the ocean and a lot of the environmental issues um, I'm always a, a little bit jealous uh, about that and say so how do we get that level of interest and how do we how do we translate that and, and make people more aware uh, of the importance of the ocean and the coast and all the other all the issues that we that we deal with um so it was it was interesting to talk to uh the sea grant folks from hawaii that would uh, brad and amy that was pretty cool
0: yeah i certainly enjoyed that um i do i did like the discussion about like the culture and and the the ocean commands respect from and should be treated with respect uh, especially it's such a small like island nation, and I don't think in like the continental continental U- U.S. we're gonna ever reach that just because it's so big and like spread out. And there's honestly, what is the percentage of the population in the U.S. that hasn't seen the ocean like ever in their lives? I feel like it's higher than it should be.
1: <sighs> That's scary.
0: Yeah, you know there those people exist.
1: I can't even, having grown up in New Jersey, I can't even, I can't even imagine, uh, you know, taking vacations to the shore. It's, I mean, I didn't grow up in a coastal town in New Jersey, but just the, you know, literally every vacation that we had any chance to, it was always at the beach somewhere. So I, I can't imagine living somewhere where you don't have that, you know, easy access to the coast.
0: And I feel like most of the U.S. doesn't. So uh, it, it kind of puts our field a little bit at a disadvantage because there is such a large population who has never experienced it. Therefore, they can't understand it. And there's no way that we're going to be able to communicate that no matter how hard we try, unless we place that individual, put them out on the ocean during a storm or like have them be in a location that's being significantly impacted by uh the ocean in order for them to grasp the magnitude of its power and uh the destructive nature of it and why we're doing what we're doing in, in terms of trying to protect find new solutions in order to protect our coastline protect our coastal infrastructure really understand what's going on and everything and uh it's yeah that's part part of one of our challenges that we face
1: yeah yeah for sure it's you know i don't know if you've ever mentioned it on the show but certainly for me you know one of the the most impactful um times in in my life as you know studying the coast was after hurricane sandy here in in new jersey and just you know firsthand being able to see and appreciate you know what you know what happens if we're not making smart decisions along the coast um, and how important coastal resilience is just to, you know, and not just the people along the coast because, you know, in New Jersey, uh, Sandy impacted our port infrastructure and we had issues where people couldn't get gasoline and then you, power was out and they couldn't get gas for their generators and heat their houses. And so you see sort of that, you know, multiplier effects um, that 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 storms can, can kind of have. So, um, and I, you know, again, growing up, studying coastal engineering I had you know, you see the pictures after Hurricane Katrina or, you know, any number of the hurricanes down South and, you know, it, it makes, it, it it does leave a mark, but then until you're like literally standing out there in the midst of it, it, it has a, it just hits a little bit differently. So it's uh, yeah.
0: A lot of people respond to things that affect them personally. So um, if something's affecting somebody else way over there, they're going to care less about it than the per- people who are being directly impacted. Um, that's just, I just kind of, the nature of things that happen, um, with respect to Sandy, John, do you remember where you were, what you were doing, um, as that hurricane was approaching and, and what the aftermath for you personally was?
1: Yeah. It, it, interestingly, as, as Sandy was approaching, I was in Minnesota, um, of all places, uh, and it was snowing. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Luck out there.
1: I was out at a, the yeah, yeah I, I lucked out. I was able to attend the U.S. Life-Saving US Life Association Annual Conference, and they rotated around from all the different chapters. And it just so happens that the Great Lakes chapter, the, the year that I went, the only time I've gone, uh, the Great Lakes chapter was hosting it, and it happened to be in uh, Minneapolis in October, and it was snowing. And, uh, you know, on the news, there were the reports about this storm coming up the coast and I'm kind of communicating back with my students about beach surveys that we might want to take before the storm, uh, you know, before the storm made landfall and, uh, flew back probably less than 24 hours before the storm made landfall. And then basically went home and, you know, quote unquote prepared, although, when a storm like that's happening, having never been through that, you don't really know what prepared means, right? So did all the, the normal things like get gas from my generator and uh, food and stuff like that. But then I remember my entire family sleeping uh, in like a room in our house that was not uh, by any trees because we were afraid trees might fall on the house. And then waking up early in the morning because one of the things that Stevens does is, uh, storm surge forecasts. And so local media outlets were, um, trying to contact us to talk about what the impacts of the storm might be. And so we're doing our best to kind of prepare at home, but then also, you know, stay, uh, abreast of kind of what's happening so we can, uh, alert the public in, in general. Um, and I remember being on a phone call at like, five o'clock in the morning with like abc news or something like that and then uh maybe an hour after that the power went out and no more power and no more internet um no more no more interviews after that and then for about i think it was about two weeks two weeks i was without power so yeah no, it was uh not exactly fun times um, It's, it's interesting because, you know, you, like one of the things you realize is that people or that different, so different areas of the country are prepared for different things. So we, we kind of sit and laugh every time, uh, you know, Atlanta gets like an inch and a half of snow and like the entire city shuts down because people can't drive an inch and a half of snow. Um, but, but, you know, they're not prepared for that. Whereas we are in the Northeast, but then, you know, vice versa, right after a storm like Sandy, you know, the, um. Communities down south generally bounce back faster. Um, they're just more. Uh, they have more plans in place. Um, they uh, first of all, they they just generally tend to be more resilient. I think, um, and it's a lesson that we learned sort of the hard way. And, but like anything else, I think it's it's interesting because you you. Uh, you learn from it. And so I think a lot of the stuff that, you know, we've seen in the Northeast and some of its core of engineers stuff like the, the NAC study and um, North Atlantic Coast Comprehensive Study and, and other things, um, uh, you know, it's an opportunity to learn and just uh, become more resilient. So and I'm just going to lay in a plug. Uh, there will be an issue of Shore and Beach that focuses on Sandy 10 years later, uh, for which I'm a, I'm a guest editor. Um, and that should be coming out, I believe in the fall. I think that's going to be the fall issue of Shore Beach. So if you're interested in Hurricane Sandy, um, and how things may have, how things have changed, um, since Sandy, stay alert for that.
0: Deb, have you ever like experienced a, a hurricane firsthand or any severe natural disaster?
2: I have not, not since I arrived here. We, we haven't had, we have like big thunderstorms, but that's pretty much
1: about it.
0: Are you and Brett ready for this hurricane
2: season?
1: Dolphin Island.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I kind of, I don't want to say I hope, obviously not, but it would be great to have like a, to be able to like work on a storm and have data before and after and really work on it to really know if, um, yeah, those seagrass can really, really being, be, be um, impactful. Even when even when the, even when the, the water height um, gets um, higher because of hurricanes or things like that, so because of the big wave, like storm surge, so it would be really interesting. Uh, but if we, if we don't, it's okay. We can work with other types of data. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm sure the Virgin Islands will get something this season. They yeah. always do over there.
2: Yeah, they had one um, not too long ago.
1: Have you, have you had a chance to get to the Virgin Islands yet or no?
2: Uh, tough uh, subject, no, no, I have not. Uh. <laughs> a topic we're trying Finger, to, yeah. but... <laughs> Fingers crossed, I will go hopefully um, this year, um, at the end of this year, or maybe um, just at the end of this semester, we'll see.
1: So don't, don't feel bad. I, I, did a, I actually did a, a Fulbright during my PhD and I was actually in Australia. And the entire group had a project in a, a little island um, near Fiji. I think it was called Manahiki. Uh, and they would they went over there twice while I was there. But because I was international and it, it didn't work, I was unable to go. And I was so so jealous. I was so close, and I was right there. And they were they came back with these just amazing, breathtaking pictures. And they're doing field work out in like uh, you know an atoll in the Pacific Ocean. And it was just like ah. I'm so close to being able to, to to do this, but I can't. It's like driving me crazy. So hopefully, you'll get to the version out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hundred percent. That's a
0: trip. My
2: goodness.
1: <laughs> so, what about Marissa? What about any of the professional development uh, series stick out to you?
0: Uh, well, I do have to default to my own mentor being on the show so yeah uh i thought the mentorship episode is looking for a raise hey he doesn't control that but you know if anybody else is listening that does i'm just saying um the the mentorship episode was probably one of my favorites i think it, it kind of um we kind of had like a light bulb moment when we are thinking about what other professional development topic should we cover and this one was just like oh like why haven't we thought of this sooner? Like mentorship is so important through every phase of your life, whether it's personal, professional. Um, I wish I started with mentorship sooner. I wish it was more readily accessible or even encouraged uh, through undergrad and grad school for sure. And um, I really enjoyed having that conversation um, with Matt and he's been a wonderful uh, mentor to me um, as in during in, during my career, and I guess shout out to him. He's actually on a developmental assignment, doing some uh, more awesome stuff at a much higher level than uh, in, in the army than than we are now. So, kudos from him. He's doing what he needs to do uh, and growing and doing his own professional development. So, um, take that as a um, not sign. Of encouragement. I don't know what the word. I had this happen. Inspiration. Inspiration. Thank you. See. All right. She passed the test. She got uh, she. <laughs> Deb reminded me of the word that I was looking for. She passed. We can we can keep her.
1: That's part of it. You have to be able to read Marissa's mind. That's that's part of the... Uh,
0: I, this happens more frequently than right, I admit. would like to admit. I'm going to have
1: to stumble over a word later and see if it works, if Deb can pick up my word as well.
0: It doesn't work. Mm.
1: <laughs> it doesn't work if it's inten-
0: intentional.
1: <laughs> I'm
0: being
2: tested, huh?
1: Uh, yeah, I, 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 I think, Marissa, I agree. The, the mentorship episode was one of my favorite in that professional development series, too. And obviously, it jives with... One of the initiatives uh, of the ASBPA Student and New Professionals chapter, and which sure we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more later. Um, so that was certainly one of my favorites. I also thought, you know, I, you know, the other t- the other two professional development episodes: publications and uh, the importance of publication, and uh, and why am I blanking? All right, uh, Deb, Deb, finish my thought. <laughs> <laughs> No, the, the professional credentials. Yeah, that was that, that was the other one. I thought that was those were both very useful um, and very interesting as well. We got to talk to a number of uh, really interesting people, and including a, a professional uh, PE diver, which is a, a very just in general, it's a it's a it's a very rare profession. Um, but I guess maybe even more interesting is that we spoke to um, Mariana, who was is a female. PE diver, which is, you know, even more rare. So it was kind of cool to talk to her, uh, about some of her experiences. Um, uh, you know, the, the, I felt bad for, I think Chris was the other guest that day. And, you know, he's talking about the professional engineering licensure and the copri uh, diplomat, um, designation and Marissa just kind of, or sorry, Mariana just kind of blows him away with the, uh, uh, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a certified PE diver, uh. So that was that was kind of cool to hear about that profession, too.
0: Both required a lot of dedication and hard work. So,
1: yeah, for sure. So where do we go from here now, Marissa? What's next?
0: You know, we're going to going to try keep chugging along and keep doing what we're doing. Bringing you that sweet, sweet content. Swipe up to subscribe. No, Um, no, we're still going to continue on with our professional development series, still reaching out to student research um, or students to talk about their research, highlighting, still focusing on bringing you coastal policy discussions and or other related um, hot topics throughout coastal. Um, I think, you know, coastal policy is a big part of the coastal engineering field and we do want to keep abreast of that um just the holistic approach to uh the socio-economic aspect of everything that we're doing is need support buy-in approvals stamps yeah citizen scientists so
1: yeah you know I, I think you know one of the things that i would like to talk a little or to you one of the policy issues that I would like to, to talk about maybe in the coming year has to do with offshore wind or, and competition for you know resources so it it's it's you know I've been at a couple meetings recently and some of it came 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 out at the ASBPA coastal summit actually um you know the offshore wind industry is sort of um exploding uh right now and it's You know, there are a number of sort of challenges and conflicts that come up and, um, you know, issues with offshore borrow areas for beach nourishment and how those might be impacted. Um, There's obviously all of the marine mammal um, related, potential related issues. There's potential conflicts with shipping. Um, So trying to figure out how all of these sort of diverse uses kind of can work together and, and sort of, you know, balance um is something that i'm kind of interested in. i don't know enough about so it would be something it would be for me it would be really cool if we were able to bring somebody in that can uh maybe talk about some of the issues that are that are being faced as as offshore wind kind of starts to take off
0: yeah that sounds great i'm happy to learn more i did fun fact i did get to go out on a boat and see the block island wind farm up close um before i left Uh, my master's program. So that was pretty cool. Yeah,
1: Yeah. no, that'd be cool. I mean, I think we talked earlier about, you know, some of the other plans that we have for, uh, for the year, right? We're going to continue, as you said, our our rotating professional development, student research spotlight and policy episodes. Um, We'll also try to catch up with uh, the ASBPA student and new professionals chapter leadership um, find out what's new and interesting in in that world. And of course, then we'll also have our, uh, our pre, uh, national conference and pre coastal summit episodes to find out what's new and exciting and what's going to be, or the reasons why people should be attending, uh, those events. So I'm looking forward to, to kind of all of that stuff. Um, Deb, is there anything that you're particularly interested in? So we're, 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 we're very actually excited. Um, you know, Marissa and I have done this for quite some time, and you know, we have our uh, maybe particular biases in terms of guests and topics and things like that. So we're proud to, we're happy to welcome you. You know, and uh, you know, another voice would be, I think, useful uh, for our listeners. So, is there anything in particular that you're interested in or excited about that you know, you may want to bring in uh, a guest to talk about?
2: Um. I'm super excited to actually be part of the host because I guess I have a more student perspective and maybe I'll have uh, different types of questions and maybe our audience are also um, a lot of students and I'll be able to, I don't know, answer more of their question because probably we have like the same mindset since we're like in academia right now. So I'm happy to uh, broaden that in, in that aspect. And um, just to learn more in general, I love, um, yeah, as you were talking about the um, um, offshore wind farms, just to broaden a bit um, some of the topics, but there were still related to, um, to, to the shorelines and to the coast. So um, I think that's super interesting and I'm really excited about that. And um, you also did those... Um, those um, sessions with people from Australia or New Zealand and just, yeah, um, broaden in terms of, like, the geographic location of um, the host and uh, what we're talking about, maybe compare some countries to um, other countries, different, um, you know, the policies are different all around the world, but we're trying to do the same. We're trying to still protect our shoreline. So also that would be um, very interesting to learn more about.
1: So, Marissa, one thing that we uh you know one question that we asked last year and i'm going to ask it again is there somebody that you would like to interview most like to interview in the coming year
0: so i have like a dream dream interviewer interviewee interviewee and then like maybe more realistic ones um i'll stand by what i said last year which was getting uh jane smith perspective on here. Um, she's a rock star super rock star in coastal engineering and worked with the urctic and CHL for all of her life and recently retired so but she's still like heavily involved she can't stay away this is she loves her work she loves what she does she loves the topic and I would love to um, maybe have her on the show to get her perspective could be part of the professional development series for example. Um, But I think realistically, (laughs) if, uh, you know, we we would get her if the stars aligned. Uh, I think realistically, um, I'm wondering if we can get um, maybe professors on as well as students to talk about the research. Uh, I don't mm, I don't know. You yeah, have me. I'm just kind of like shooting from the hip here. Um, but it's I'm I'm open to all possibilities here. Is there someone in particular that you'd like to come on to the show?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Um so first of all, I'm very supportive of uh uh having Jane on the show. I think you know, just, I think we might've talked about it last year too. I, I just think in terms of sort of an I want to say an iconic, uh, coastal engineer, but somebody who's a trailblazer, um, you know, I I'm 100% behind that. And I, I could be wrong, but I think somebody told me that she took a position at the university of Florida in her retirement. So as a former Gator, I am 100% behind having more gators on the show. So
0: well, gators.
1: if that's the, if that's the case, then yeah, by all means. And I think we, I, I don't see any reason why we can't make, I don't think that's an unrealistic, I think we should, uh, we should make some inquiries and, and try to get her on. I think there's, you know, the amount of, um, you know, information that, that, that she has um, and she's always so generous, you know, with her time um, that, you know, I think that that would be a great, a great person to have on the show. Um, you know, I think, you know, for me and I don't know, you know, I like the I like having the sort of the diverse perspectives. Right. So, you know, I, I like the fact that we try to rotate between coastal policy, coastal science, engineering. Um, you know, I, I, like that. Um, I don't know if I have, I don't know if I have a specific person, um, other than just trying to make sure that we're kind of representing, you know, uh, just kind of the range of what we do um, in coastal. Um, maybe we should think about, you know, reaching out to be joked around about the middle of the country, but um, maybe somebody who's dealing more with uh, potentially great lakes kind of issues. Um, Cause I know it's sort of the forgotten coast. Everybody focuses on, uh, you know, on the, uh, on the, uh, you know, ocean coastlines. Um, I'd actually be interested, and maybe this is something that, you know, Deb can help us with. We, you know, reaching out potentially to, um, somebody in the West Indies, perhaps. Um, uh, I know there's a, a, a a professor, sorry, Virgin Islands. Uh, I was thinking West Indies because there's a, a, professor from the university of West Indies that might be, might be coming to Stevens to do some work that I think would be really fascinating just to kind of get an understanding of coastal engineering profession, um, you know, somewhere not in the United States, but, you know, <laughs> near the United States, but not, not in the United States. Um, so I think it would just be an interesting, um, perspective maybe to have. So maybe it's the Virgin islands, maybe it's the West Indies, um, you know, uh, that would be kind of cool for me. Um, yeah, the students. I'm just trying to think. I, uh, you know, uh, any specific person? Um, you know, I would be. We. I think last year, for me, also Tim Kana, Tim Kana, uh, that we we had on. Um, I I thought that was really interesting um, because he's you know one of the elder statesmen of coastal engineering at this point. And, um, you know, just the, the amount of experience that they've had kind of seeing the industry or seeing coastal change and really science more so than engineering, but seeing it change over time. Um, I think that hearing those stories and having that perspective is really important for students and new professionals, um, just to kind of get a, more of an f- appreciation for, how things have changed, and you know what things used to be like, and how the field has sort of grown into what it is today. So I'm always, and this is me, the old guy, um, on the the old host uh, talking here. But I, I do think I think it's really important for for young people to kind of hear those those perspectives.
0: You mean like the old professors and I say old in like quotation marks because it's a relative experience, term. The ex- experience. The experienced, well-seasoned well seasoned. Seasoned coastal professionals who like did numerical modeling by writing on a piece of paper that you fed into a machine and you better hope that that was right. You know, like couldn't imagine doing that now.
1: Oh my God. No. Yeah. Absolutely
0: no. not. <laughs> No, that's that's a show. Looking things up in a library, what are those? I haven't done that in a very long time. Um, I mean, it's crazy. I did. Use, it, it, I'm like, I'm still of that age where I did have to use a library back in the day, but you know, I certainly don't that much anymore.
1: Yeah. No. It's uh. Yeah. It it, it as as a professor as a professor you you tend to think that. You know, you don't necessarily get older year after year. It's that your students get younger year after year. Mm. So the, the, mean, the, the it's true <laughs> relatively. Relatively, I guess it's 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 actually me getting older, but it just seems that the students get younger and younger. Um,
0: well, when you say that, you know how much the coastal field has changed. You know, we were just talking with Deb offline before we started this, and she just came from an oceans conference where some some guy some company uh or a um university research lab was it a company or a research lab
2: um it's a company it's called stride and they're um developing you're talking about the video game right yeah yeah they're um they developed a video game already with minecraft um and the quest is to kind of remove pollutants from the water uh, protect the shorelines and it's very um Coastal, um based and they give that um, game to um, kids in the primary school and um, it had a it was really really sex- successful um, because they are a protagonist in that game they have to solve things but it's realistic things so that they they also can use what they learned in the game in real life um, so i think that's just amazing how it's evolving and it's adapting to a younger audience
0: yeah, that's just so cool. That's how you get kids in the Midwest interested in cleaning up and protecting the oceans. Yeah. <laughs> Never been to an ocean? Play Minecraft. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I'd like to learn more about that. Maybe we can maybe we can have those people on. Hey, yeah. open the connections across everywhere. And of course, yeah, cool. our listeners, we want to hear from you. What is it that you'd like for us to talk about? What would you like coming out of our mouths into your ears and learning about things related to Coastal? Not to be weird or anything, but you can always email us at asppa.snp@gmail.com at gmail.com or stay tuned because we might get our own Gmail and we'll update you if and maybe when that happens.
1: Yay, another email. <laughs>
0: <laughs> another login that we have to remember. So exciting. Another password. So, yeah. so
1: I was I was just going to say, we're, we're kind of, I guess, nearing the end of our time, but there was one question that we didn't ask Deb, and so it's kind of the embarrassing question, so I figured we'd leave it for last. I don't know whether you did that on purpose or whether you weren't planning to ask it, but she's going to hate me, but that's okay. Um, so the... the, the, the
0: starting this relationship off right <laughs> you
1: know, It's a fun question, right? So uh, the, the fun question is, if you had to choose a, a coastal slash ocean animal to describe you, what would it be and why? Oh <laughs> <laughs> a coastal animal. Ocean animal, coastal animal. Don't pick, like, a lion or something like that. Oh, that's probably cool, but, you know.
2: She can pick whatever animal that she feels that she is. Um, okay, I don't know if I feel like one, but I actually worked a lot with them. Um, I love sea turtles, um, and I've been in yeah, – They're good answer. Yeah, I've been in, like, nurseries and rehabilitation centers in, um, in Greece and in Athens, and I've worked with them. And, um, yeah, I think they're really – they're so interesting um, – they're so resilient. They're like dinosaurs. They're like so old, and they're still here, and they're still doing the same. And <laughs> I don't know. I think it's it's great. I love them.
0: They're so cute. Is it true that our straws are killing them?
2: Hundred percent. Oh yes, but it's not the only thing. It's certainly, not we had. Yeah. yeah, no, we had a fisherman in Greece that were um, smashing the heads of the turtles because they thought the turtles were eating their fish. So that's why they couldn't fish anymore like as many fish as they used to but turtles don't necessarily eat that much like that many fishes they usually eat coral or um jellyfish or seagrass so yeah it is sad
0: i feel like that was also a problem in like hawaii too right they were like murdering some predator unnecessarily because they thought it was interrupting their network their food network and like I get it, but also, yeah, that's rough. Well, no. I certainly don't want to end this on a sad <laughs> they note. They are great so. funny creatures. So. Happier, <laughs> totally, dude. You're gonna rip it, roll it, and punch it. Go down the east, the EAC, dude. Um, I go <laughs> all anymore right now, yeah. if we really wanted to, but I don't think anybody wants that. So, yeah. You know that's that we're gonna call that a wrap on our uh, twenty fourth episode. Wow, year two, it's done. We're moving on to season three. Welcome Deb. Yes, so excited. So thank you all for joining us today. Thank you Deb for joining us as the team. Uh, And we look forward to see what's to come. So thanks for listening. And as always, um, you can find information about the SP chapter and ASPPA students and new professionals. Uh, we have a Facebook group. You can get to us from the ASBPA.org website. And as a reminder, we do have the mentoring program that we are spinning up as part of the SP chapter, where we'll connect. Coastal professionals, students, researchers, everybody will connect you guys um, kind of playing matchmaker uh, between a coastal professional and a student, or even a young professional and a more seasoned professional, for example. Um, you can sign up to become a mentor uh, or sign up for a mentee. And uh, we hope to put you guys together, foster conversations, and help the next generation of coastal experts find their bearing in this ever-changing world uh, and field. So if you are interested, again, head online. Uh, We can try to find that sign-up form. I think it's on ASPPA.org. If not, um, reach out to us at ASPPA.SNP at gmail.com if you have any questions uh, or concerns. And don't forget that the National Coastal Conference is coming up in October in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, It's uh, anchors away, is the theme "Revolutionary Times" for coastal habitats? I think abstract submission is open. Question mark. I know that the awards uh, are open. So for the best restored beaches, those nominations are open now through the end of the month, through April thirtieth. And uh, get your abstracts ready to submit to the coastal conference. To come hang out at the SNP booth. Last but not least. Do you enjoy listening to this podcast? Do you think your company would enjoy having their message broadcast out to all of our national and international listeners of Going Coastal? Supporting us while aligning your brands with the ASPPA Students and New Professionals chapter, we'll customize a sponsorship package for you and your company to deliver on your marketing goals and connect with the next generation of coastal professionals. So share your story in top coastal and ocean podcasts as well as on Coastal News Today. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor, feel free to contact our producer, Tyler Buckingham at tyler at or go to coastalnewstoday.com slash advertising. Thanks.